What's up, guys? Week four of the NFL season is here. We cover the good and the bad, notable performances from last week. Jump into the injury news. Thank God it was a little bit easier on us than week three was. Rapid fire and some of your questions all on the show today on Tutty Talk. Follow us at Tutty Talk, Instagram and Twitter. And go to Apple Podcasts, smash a five-star review for the boys. Let's roll. This is Darren Waller, and you're listening to the Tutty Talk Podcast. Streaming from beautiful Portland, Oregon, for all things fantasy football. This is the Tutty Talk Podcast. Barkley with a burst. Barkley down the sideline. Saquon Barkley. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. He did what? It's a C-Mac attack. I'm really not into dreams anymore okay i'm in the nightmare a lot of people ain't gonna be able to take that over and 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 over again you like that you like that here are your hosts bryce wells i'm gonna i'm gonna say it i'm gonna put you on blast kevin nelson it's a damn shame because pete carroll is wasting russell wilson and there's nothing we can do about it and chase daskalos no Lamar Jackson is going to be a top five quarterback. Oh, it's spooky season. Happy October, boys. We're fully into it. Football season is rocking and rolling. Already week four of the NFL season. College football has had its scares with COVID. The NFL has its first scare of COVID. But there's nothing to worry about, baby. We're just going to have some Monday or Tuesday night football this week. A little bit extra. Make you wait a little bit more for those fantasy games. Kevin, Bryce, Chase, Tutty Talk, week four. Bryce, what is up, my man? Oh, dude, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm really excited for the pod today. Uh, not so excited to uh, watch Thursday night football, even though my Broncos are involved. Um, here's the thing. If they lose... I'm just going to jump out my window and I'll call it the year because I, I don't think I could handle watching my Broncos lose to the Jets uh, of all teams. Even though at this point, I wouldn't mind seeing them tank. I'm not one for throwing in the towel on any season. However, with everybody healthy back, with how young they are, I I wouldn't hate it. You know, I think they, they could really use – an upper echelon pick that they could maybe move around, test the market a little bit. Um, but yeah, besides besides Thursday night, I'm really excited for this week. Um, DFS has been great. We're gonna get into that on Saturday, so uh, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm pumped. Chase, what's up? Yo, yeah, working on something really cool that I'm excited for. It's kind of like a week preview slash DFS packet that I'm putting together, hopefully drop it by Friday evening, but really looking at some sweaty stuff, Vegas game totals for each game, projected snaps, projected pace, new thing called smash score for the home team, away team for the total game, what teams are set up to smash in the passing game, run game, hog molly matchups, where we're looking at what offensive line, what defensive line has the greatest advantage, mismatch. And then at the end, kind of, Going back to D score with some slight adjustments there, looking at some different weights, but it should be awesome. And we'll try to drop that. Fr- I'll try to drop that by Friday, and then it'll provide some good talking points for the DFS show on Saturday. Hell yeah, I like it, and it looks cool too, all the way top from green to red, and all the different things in there. Uh, Thursday night should be should be interesting. Price Jason and I were just talking about uh, going. I don't know if I really care to watch. This game, not a lot of fantasy impact in that, but there was certainly some fantasy impact last week, uh, starting, of course, with the AFC player of the week. Patrick Mahomes on Monday night torched the Ravens. He is the good of our quarterbacks as we get into these notable performances. 31 of 42, 385 yards, four touchdowns. He had four carries for 26 yards, uh, and their first touchdown on that drive kind of leaked out the side. You saw on Bleacher Report, one guy threw down like, 1500 bucks on Patrick Mahomes to score the first touchdown on the ground. And he did it. Um, They looked as dominant as ever distributing the ball to tons of different weapons in that offense. Most notably, I would say was Travis Kelsey over the middle, but this was as Mahomes as it gets. And after kind of a, 
a disappointing, scary week against the Chargers, you thought, okay, that defense is good. This defense is going to torment them, and, and exactly the opposite. After a first drive by Baltimore that goes right down the field for three, kind of stalled out in the red zone, it was all KC, and it was all Patrick Mahomes. Looked as comfortable as he's ever looked, in my mind, um, giving Russ a run for his money and MVP, boys. <laughs> yeah, that game was pretty uh, eye-opening for me. I-, I kind of bought into the Ravens being favored in this matchup over the Chiefs. I thought that the Ravens were going to give Patrick Mahomes some trouble. I even remember talking to Kevin earlier uh, before week three had started and and asked him, you know, hey, is is Big Ben a decent play this week uh, versus like playing Patrick Mahomes against the Ravens? Like I was legitimately concerned about about this matchup for for Patrick Mahomes, and once the game kicked off, he was carving. Uh, there was no one able to stop what he was able to do. It kind of felt like the Chiefs opened up the playbook uh, for this matchup, and the Ravens didn't know what to do. They couldn't answer back offensively. That was a uh, another pretty big issue that I, I see the Ravens having going forward. I, it's just – you know it's going to come down to most likely these two teams in the AFC Championship, and the Ravens aren't there yet. They they just aren't, and and that's going to be interesting to see it when the year progresses. Um, a couple of things that were clear to me, you know, the O line for Baltimore kind of got exposed in this game, and they used to be one of the best uh, as of last year. So things change quick. Things change quickly, and it's a it's it's very obvious to me. Um, with the amount of drops from Mark Andrews and Hollywood, this team needs a true wide receiver one. It, it'll take the offense to the next level. I know we're all uh, we all want to see Dobbins get more involved. He's been the most efficient back end in that backfield. So the game was great, um, but for football, it's it very interesting going forward. So I actually took. I thought the Ravens were going to win the game. I, I really did, but I took the Chiefs at plus three and a half to to cover that which they did obviously they won the game but it was such a weird game because it felt so much like the tennessee baltimore playoff game last year where when baltimore fell behind they couldn't do anything and lamar jackson's improved as a passer but he's never going to be on the level of an elite nfl passer that's just not who he is and i'm shocked that the game got to that point uh baltimore was so sloppy they had opportunities to go for it on fourth and short and were uh, false star and just self-inflicting wounds that are like, terrible. Lamar fumbled a couple times and Bryce, you hit it on the head with the Baltimore offensive line is ranked 31st now and allowing pressure on their quarterback. You can't have that for a guy like Lamar Jackson. Yes. He's elusive and can get out of the pocket and make plays, but uh, for a guy of his passing caliber, he needs time to throw and you can, you see it when he did have time to throw too. He missed Hollywood twice which would have been long touchdowns, probably walking touchdowns, especially the second one. He threw a fucking hell beam at Hollywood when he watched Russell Wilson put air under the ball. Like it, he should have thrown it to the 10 yard line and Hollywood cooked. I don't remember what defender it was, but he cooked him and he just missed him. And Mark Andrews had some, some drops and some unfortunate throws from, from Lamar Jackson as well. It was just a freaking weird game. And it's disappointing too, because Kansas City's run defense is actually like bottom five in the NFL. You know that's the strength of Baltimore. But as soon as they fell behind, they're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely a weird game. And and I like that you compared it to the Tennessee game. Moving forward, I, I don't, I don't want to just say, oh, yeah, the Ravens are bad and move on. How concerning is this? Because I think in this division, it, it's a little bit easier with, you know, playing the Browns and the Bengals. But the Steelers are in this division, too. And and they might have the best defense after last week in the NFL now. Their, their upcoming schedule is this. The Bengals and the Eagles, who are both bad, we expect to bounce back and and totally fine in fantasy, all things considered for Lamar and company. But then the Steelers, the Colts, the Patriots, the Titans, the Steelers are their next five games. For me, after seeing what the Kansas City defense did, I'm not saying trade Lamar Jackson, but some of these other pieces that still have a lot of value and will uh, accure more seasonal value this year with the next upcoming matchups of the Bengals and Eagles. I'm probably selling after that, looking at rest of season and knowing what type of a player I can get for somebody like Mark Andrews or for Hollywood, let's say he pops off. For me, I'm just seeing that as like a sell high moment because it's going to be really rough through the middle of the season where you're trying to stack wins. I think the thing that's obvious for me is once again, they need a true wide receiver one. That's going to help them 
um, not just be a, a run first team, which they were so good at doing that last year. I feel like they almost took a step back, and I think part of that is like we talked about the O line is is not the same, and I don't think the running. I think Mark Ingram is is not really the same player. Maybe he's just not been in the same uh, position as he was last year from game in and game out. But it seems like they're not the running team that they were last year, and I think that's that's kind of showing up. Um, even though they're way better defensively, if they go up against these teams that th- are are pass happy and they go down in games, they're going to have a hard time coming back. It's I think it's just as simple as that. I think it's it's important to remember too. Like this is the Kansas City Chiefs. They yeah. coming off a Super Bowl win, added talent. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, McCole Hardman's rant, role should expand. He looks good. By the way, Sammy Watkins was hilarious in that game. It was pathetic, it was ridiculous. You playing off of his concussion. Last week, and every time he caught the ball, he would just dive to the ground. And Mikol kind of had that drop or whatever, but I'd love to see his role expand into phase Sammy Watkins out. But it's not going to happen. The dude, he's like eight targets a game, six catches. Mm-hmm. It's really annoying. Uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. My God. But just, I think a game like this early on outside of fantasy football is good for the Ravens to get their ass absolutely handed to them. It mm-hmm. happened last year against cleveland in week three i believe they got smacked and it kind of like woke them up so am i like out on baltimore all of a sudden like no they got smoked by the super bowl champs yeah i I think the schedule is gonna be tough they're gonna be in a lot more close games i think than than they were last year you know blowing people out and um chase your concern with lamar i think last year was he didn't play in the fourth quarter he did not play in the fourth quarter of games. They were up so big. There was no reason, especially for a running quarterback like him, to be out there for risk of injury. I think you're going to see Lamar and, and everybody on the field a hell of a lot more this season, especially with um, that stretch into late October and into November. So um, just keep an eye on that. You know, once a guy pops, I would say Hollywood or, or Mark Andrews consider, you know, best offer uh, for sure. Let's get to the bad quarterback of the week. It was Daniel Jones, 17 of 32. 179 yards, a touchdown, five carries for 49 yards. He, he has that rare rushing upside. He's out there by himself. Look, the the Darius Slayton thing is is overrated and overhyped, I think. Mm. Um, the offensive line is buns. He was sacked, what, nine times in three weeks, four interceptions, two fumbles. He's been turning the ball over like crazy. His team is bad, and there aren't enough weapons to make up for it. They're the primary focus when you play the Giants is Saquon Barkley. He's not there. Now it's just get after the quarterback. And um, I think it's going to be a really tough year for the Giants. It's a really tough year for Daniel Jones and and just across the street or in the same city for the New York Jets, too. It's, it's kind of the same thing going on in the same city for both teams. I don't think uh, the Darius Slayton slander here is necessary. I mean, look at Daniel Jones. He got sacked nine times in three weeks and has four interceptions with two fumbles. Um, so I think this is more on the offensive line, them not having Saquon Barkley to uh, mix it up with. The whole team's just it's in, in shambles, you know, and they don't have Sterling Shepard. Golden Tate's a shell of himself. Uh, it, Evan Ingram's consistently overrated every year. It's just there's there's so many pieces of this offense that uh, is struggling. They they can't they don't have everything together at the same point. And Daniel Jones is bad. I think that's that's the bottom line here. I think he's actually just a pretty bad quarterback and uh, that draft is going to hurt the Giants. Uh, it's going to haunt them for, for the next few years. I think Saquon, as great as he is, you know, in hindsight, we're looking at this going, wow, they really shouldn't have done that. But it's just one of those things where Daniel Jones is not going to have a good week in fantasy despite the matchup. And and I I doubt at this point he's on anybody's rosters. And if he is, He's worth dropping. I'd rather have uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick than Daniel Jones at this very moment. I think that there's maybe one quarterback he's better than, and that's Tyrod Taylor. But that doesn't that doesn't mean a whole lot here. So, uh, and kind of irrelevant. So I'm. It's not getting any better. It, it, this is this is the theme of the uh, season for the Giants. New York Giants number six offensive line and protection rate on dropbacks. So. Kind of interesting stat there. And yes, he's out there kind of on an island by himself. And the fact that obviously Saquon is not out there. Evan Ingram is a bot. Who's their number one wide receiver? It's Darius Slayton. 
Daniel Jones is number seven in the league so far in pass attempts. He's number four in rushing yards, yet he's number 32 dead last out of starting quarterbacks in fantasy points per game. How does that even add up? Seven right. in attempts, four in rushing yards, and 32 in fantasy points per game. Well, how about a number 29 in the league yards per attempt? So he's just kind of dinking and dunking, which plays into that number six protection rate where he's not even, he's not dropped. There's nothing to protect. He snaps it and he throws it six yards. And then the, the number 29 true passer rating. The dude just, he's just not very good. He's not right. good. No, no money throws yet this season. Um, danger plays. He's number four in the league. <laughs> it's just, uh, how much of that do you pin on, on the offense and the, the guys around him? Certainly some, um, but it's not good in New York. It's not going to get in better anytime soon, given the injuries. Let's get to the running backs uh, or wide receiver hybrid, whatever you want to call him. Alvin Kamara was a fantasy player of the week last week after his Sunday night performance. Six carries, <clears throat> six carries, <laughs> a running back, one player of the week with six carries for 58 yards, 13 receptions for 139 and two touchdowns. This is fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. <laughs> I refuse to call this guy a running back in this offense. Drew Brees can't throw the ball down the field anymore. So instead, he runs option routes with Kamara, who picks which way the linebacker is leaning or whoever's in coverage on him and burns his ass. Brees looks at his first progression downfield, and I know he doesn't have Michael Thomas right now. But holy hell, this is so easy for Alvin Kamara right now. And teams continue to throw man-to-man coverage or one-on-one coverage with him. It's It's literally a game for him. He's just playing a game. Out in the park, one-on-one football, easy. And for Drew Brees, why wouldn't you dump it off to this guy? He's a bona fide best playmaker in the league right now and made Green Bay look silly. And although they didn't win the game, offense was just easy for Drew Brees and company because they had this every fucking drive at least a couple times. Uh, Pretty hard to defend in my mind and and certainly making a damn good case for running back one on this season early on. Hard to defend, but should be easy to to defend because he's the only weapon in the offense, right? I think while watching the game the other night, I was like, God damn it, Green Bay. Are you seriously not going to double this fucking guy in the backfield who's catching 13 passes in this game on 14 targets? You would think it'd be easy to just go, hey, that's the only guy doing anything in this offense. Maybe we should stop him and in, ended up being a 37-30 to 30 game like I Kamara's great I'm I'm not saying that he's not great I'm just saying that as a 26 year old guy guy who's an asshat I can watch the game and go there's only one man doing something and that's Alvin Kamara Traquan Smith is fine but Drew Brees can't he's just not the same guy he once was like and and, and I'm not a, a football expert when it comes to scheming defenses but holy fuck guys is he that good, or are are they just not doing what it takes to stop him? He's going to finish RB1 this year. I feel like it's not getting any lower than three. Uh, he's competing with Aaron Jones and, and Ezekiel Elliott, and I, I don't see other competition besides maybe uh, Dalvin Cook. So if you have – if you have Alvin Kamara you and you drafted like Aaron Jones as your second round pick, you're you're feeling good about your team and you're looking uh you're looking at the championship trophy going, I I'm thinking I've got a great shot at this. So Kamara scored six touchdowns in the entirety of twenty nineteen mm. last year. Do you know how many he has this year through three weeks? Oh God, six? Six. Yeah, Holy he's equaled shit. his touchdown total through three weeks. What's insane is his snap share. The and like it doesn't match the usage, right? He played 64% of the snaps against Tampa Bay, 66 against the Raiders, and then 69 against Green Bay. He pays like under three fourths of the snaps. He gets the usage. It's just weird that, like, I don't understand why he isn't out there every single play. I know they use Latavius Murray quite a bit. The question I kind of have is week one with Michael Thomas out there, although they did play Tampa Bay, who has a really stout defense, 67 total yards, 12 carries five receptions, two touchdowns. So he got the 23.7 fantasy points in PPR leagues. But now no Michael Thomas all of a sudden. He had five receptions week one. Now no Michael Thomas. He's got nine receptions week two, 13 in week three, 38.4 fantasy points in PPR league week two, 44.7 in week three. When Michael Thomas returns, Mm -hmm. 
he cuts into it's insane to say a running back. He cuts he's gonna cut into Alvin Kamara's receiving workload, right? And I'm not saying that's like, oh, go sell Alvin Kamara. Is he gonna continue at this pace? I don't think so. I mean, that's not even bold of me to say he's been scoring yeah, 40 fantasy points a game. Historically. But I would right? expect a, a downtick at least a little bit when Michael Thomas comes back. Michael Thomas is the number one target. And then sure, Alvin Kamara. But how how different is it? I know this past offseason, Michael Thomas got roasted for not being like a true downfield deep receiver like the rest of his number one, you know, other guys in the league are Julio and, and Hopkins, not per se, not this year, but in years past that are true, like deep threat, do it all route tree runners. And, and Michael Thomas, most of his are coming off a slant or a curl. Drew Brees, his average yak per target is 4.81 that's second in the league his his air yards 29th best in the league 285 completed air yards 31st in air yards uh, 480 everything's a dump off everything is intermediate michael thomas has come back from a high ankle sprain and apparently is already back at practice one i'm worried about drew Brees. two if i have michael thomas i'm not expecting him to come back 100 healthy and, and the same michael thomas we've seen in years past and there's no threat of deep opportunity in this offense anymore you're going to see more zone up at the line of scrimmage coverage guys just in their area up in the face of these receivers and playing in the backfield, trying to get pressure on Drew Brees. Cause we've seen what pressure has done to Drew this season. Unlike any other year in his career where he's been really rattled and flustered. And the Raider game was a great example of that. How they didn't necessarily get to him with sacks, but they got to him enough with hits that it, it took a toll over the game. And then he was making bad decisions. Doesn't have the arm strength to drive the ball down the field anymore either. I'm genuinely concerned about, Alvin Kamara, when Michael Thomas comes back, maybe not obviously putting up these numbers and things like that. He's going to come back down to earth. But there's other guys in this offense that are going to start to get targets. And Michael Thomas is going to just impact that as well. It's it's to kind of complete everything. Things are not good in New Orleans. They they can't keep up with the teams that are, are better than them in the division, passing and, and and driving the ball down the field with their quarterback right now. And Alvin Kamara, they they don't have a run game. They've just been dumping it off every time. So I think as the year progresses, teams are going to be able to game plan for this a little bit better, like you're talking about, Bryce. And and the Saints, to me, don't they're not even contending for the division with with Tampa Bay if they get hot. I am not worried about Michael Thomas affecting Kamara. Kamara's just so goddamn good, and and Michael Thomas hasn't really um, ever ruined Kamara's production. Is it going to drop him from forty fucking points a week to <laughs> yeah, back down uh, to twenty to sure. ten to twenty? Absolutely, and but that's still great. Mm-hmm. You know, that's still great. And like you said, Drew Brees is not going to be throwing the ball down the field. They're still going to go to him. You're just, I feel like assuming that teams are going to plan for this type of of offense that yes it will affect Kamara but he's been phenomenal in space he's one of the best players in open space in the league and he incredibly efficient to go along with it and I don't think it matters how well teams game plan for it but they can game plan for Drew Brees and that's that's where they're going to take advantage of the Saints and that's why the Saints are going to struggle this year like you've been saying I I just think overall like are you going to find anything better to to trade Alvin Kamara for right now? Obviously, no. He's he's the best player in fantasy football right now, easily. Like, and and probably will finish out the year this way. You know, twenty points a game or, or something close to it. But I'm just not going to be surprised when teams start game planning for the Saints, and and this becomes a little bit more difficult than forty burgers posted every week. Uh, the bad for running backs, we've talked about him a little bit already. It's Mark Ingram, seven carries for just thirty yards. Had a good start in that game, and Chase, you took the over. I think at fifty four and a half yards. Uh, in the game for him on Monday night and obviously didn't get very close to that. But a, a good start to the game. I mean, the first drive, he banged off a couple of good runs. The game script flipped on him. They've got two other running backs in there. There's not really one guy that is really broken out as the I'm the every down running back. And I don't think the Baltimore Ravens necessarily want to tip that or or go in that direction with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins also. But what's really concerning is the 26 carries in three weeks. You saw him slide down draft boards. We knew he wasn't going to be as good as he was last season uh, with the addition of, of J.K. Dobbins, but this was concerning. This, <laughs> this has been a, a problem child and um, tough to start him every week when, when he's putting stuff up like that. The cell window on Mark Ingram has officially closed, and 
it's hard to decipher which running back is going to to dominate this backfield. It should be J.K. Dobbins. I, I don't think there's any question there. I think he's the the most uh, versatile p- player at the position, and Mark Ingram is a matter of weeks away from getting overtaken by J.K. Dobbins and most likely Gus Edwards getting a little more involved. He's been great with the ball, which sucks for J.K. Dobbins because between Mark Ingram sucking and Gus Edwards' uh, yards per carry, Dobbins is just smack dab in the middle with the limited touches, and we're just waiting for Dobbins to get the opportunity, and I think it's going to take an injury this year for that to actually happen. I would love to see... Mark Ingram phased out and like a one-two punch with actually Gus Edwards and yeah. and J.K. Dobbins. Gus Edwards has been phenomenal. He's been, efficiency wise, he's number one in the league so far in true yards per carry. Number four in yards per touch at seven point two yards per touch. He's got a top fifteen juke rate. Number five in yards created per touch. It's he's been really good with the ball. The thing, the knock on Gus Edwards is zero targets. He's at zero in the passing game where we've seen J.K. Dobbins be super efficient, looked really good running routes, making guys miss after the catch. He's p- Watching the Ravens games on some third downs, I've seen Lamar Jackson throw the ball to, to J.K. Dobbins, and he's picked up huge third downs by making a guy miss like right at the sticks, and I, I absolutely love that. But like a Gus Edwards... J.K. Dobbins, one-two punch, I think would be awesome. And then kind of eventually phase out Gus Edwards and just have let J.K. Dobbins run the show. I like Gus yeah. Edwards. I think he should be involved in the offense. Like, There's no point in not having him. It's just Mark Ingram is actually not great right now, and it's hard to watch them continuously feed him. Um, not a lot, but just even give him carries at this point when they have so much better talent playing right behind him. For where you drafted Mark Ingram, I don't think it's detrimental to any team. And what's been detrimental is if you had a running back go down and you're having to start Mark Ingram and he's producing with three, four, five point weeks. Like that's that's what's killing you. So um, hopefully you hit the waiver wire. We're going to talk about Mike Davis here in a little bit. That's a guy that is really going to produce while he's uh, got the starting job with CMC getting back. But let's get to the good on wide receivers. There were two of them that absolutely went off. Justin Jefferson breakout party officially happened. Seven catches for 175 yards and a touchdown last week. Probably the best game he'll have this season. But watch his DFS ownership just skyrocket, you know, into this week uh, with a huge performance like that. So maybe avoid him this week. Good for him. You know, we loved we loved JJ in the offseason and in drafts. We saw him slide all the way to the, to the late second round at our rookie draft. Um Minnesota seemed like a really great spot. The only BC Johnson takeover of the number two spot. He's really been irrelevant this year. But uh, Justin Jefferson struggled all summer, seemingly. Couldn't beat anybody. And then we see this. It's, it He looked great, the route running and, and crispness all day. Uh, certainly good for Kirk Cousins, who has had a hell of a year uh, to start 2020. So uh, Justin Jefferson, what do you guys think? Um, not only in, in seasonal for the rest of this year, but, but Dynasty being the number two there, uh, maybe taking over for Thielen eventually. I'll make it quick. Uh, I'm really happy to see Justin Jefferson do uh, what he did this last week. I just I, I want to root for him. There's something about him. I really like him, and I like him in Minnesota. I think that uh, him being number two fits well. I think he's worth a waiver wire pickup. I, I don't see 175 yards again, but if he's getting you know seven receptions, anywhere honestly anywhere between five to seven receptions, he's going to be fantasy usable. Uh, from week to week. So I definitely think he's worth picking up if you have some some uh, fab money left over or if you're if you're still playing in the Stone Age waiver wire. What, what do they even call it now? I've completely forgotten because I don't play it anymore. But uh, waiver priority, waiver priority. If you're still doing that, you need to change. But if you're doing that, I would, I would go ahead and make Justin Jefferson your pick. I tried to buy him like last week from like a guy in our league who has him and didn't happen. And obviously not this breakout game. Um, So there's absolutely zero chance. You're not going to be able to buy Justin Jefferson right now. The caution flag goes up for me, not for, not for dynasty. This is great for his dynasty value for specifically, probably next week. Although they do have a juicy matchup with Houston, knowing that Houston has basically no secondary, 
But and and like for DFS, the caution flag goes up for me when you look at his snap share from week one to week three and routes ran from week one to week week three. Week one, he did absolutely nothing in a shootout against Green Bay. Week three, he goes ham. His snap share and routes run are like the exact same. 78% snap share in week one, 81% in week three. 25 routes run in week one, 27 in week three. There was no like random huge boost in usage, which I think going forward, is this is this performance for him going to have him draw more targets and get more attention from Kirk Cousins? Yes, but it's not like he was playing like 20% of the snaps week one and week two and was doing nothing. And then all of a sudden he just burst onto the scene. He was playing the same amount, running the same amount of routes. He just happened to get open this week. And so again, I, I like Justin Jefferson. We like him in dynasty, but for like DFS this week, I'm think I'm going to stay away. Am I going to have a tournament lineup with Justin Jefferson in there? Yeah, I, I am, but I'm not going to play him in like cash just because there was no, this feels more of like a random event than we saw some huge uptick in usage. Just like, Holy shit, Justin Jefferson, here we go. We're going to uptick his usage. He's the guy. They used him the same week one as they did in week three. Right. And and people that don't dive into those numbers and see that are, are automatically going to see the name a huge week and immediately try to plug him into their flex. So just be do a little research that I mean, that that's kind of the perfect synopsis of the whole thing right there that he played the same amount. Kirk Cousins is his fucking quarterback. It's not it's, this isn't going to happen again. It, it just isn't it. it Kirk's really, really bad. They're trying to be bad to get another quarterback in there, I think. The other good was Tyler Lockett, and what a first half he had with three touchdowns, nine receptions for 100 yards on the dot against the Cowboys. Another shootout for Seattle and and Russ winning NFC Offensive Player of the Week. They play Miami this week. Expect to see a ton of uh, Lockett and DK in your DFS lineups, but it's hard to see a world where Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf finish outside the top 15 and maybe closer to the top 10 with how, you know, Lockett's getting more receptions. DK's getting the bigger plays, but even, even last week, the first touchdown for, for T lock was a uh, wide open over the top play action. Uh, nobody on him. So I think the, the diversity that Tyler, Tyler brings and, and running every route where DK is more of, you know, the, the go deep, go get it you know, posts and, and, and corner routes and stuff. I, I just really like Tyler Lockett this year. I think he's going to be easily top 10 and, and expect this type of, of, you know, nine for 100 yards. That sounds really good. Uh, sprinkle in the touchdowns as well with the way Russ is cooking. It, it's going to be a great year. If you have either one of them, you're, you're, you're feeling great. You're starting them every week. You have nothing to worry about. I think this game coming up, is where we kind of see Russell uh, dial it back a little bit. And the reason why I say that, I think it's kind of a one of those games where Seattle goes up big early and then dials it back in the second half. So I don't know if Mr. Unlimited is going to be thrown for another five touchdowns in this game. But I still think he's going to do fine. You know, nothing, nothing uh, is going to scare you fantasy-wise for Russell Wilson this season. There's nothing there um, to worry about. But... Uh, for MVP, I was talking about this with Chase last night, and I was asking him, how how likely is it if Josh Allen keeps doing what he's doing that he beats out Russell Wilson? And I think there's a little pressure on Russell to win MVP in the sense that I think once we start seeing teams between Buffalo and Seattle losing games, that's where it's going to be more decided. and It's going to be unfair. I think that Josh Allen is going to – I feel like the league wants Josh Allen to win this thing. But also, at the same time, they want to see Russ Cook. So we're in this kind of weird situation where, Kevin, I know you'll be destroyed if, if Josh Allen wins MVP, but I've looked at the schedule for Seattle. It's not that bad. There's going to be a lot of games where Russell's going to have the opportunity opportunity to pipe his stats up. But I think Buffalo as a unit, as a team, is better than Seattle – and that's going to carry, I think, a little more weight when we come down to the MVP race at the end of the year. What do you think, Kevin? Do you think do you agree or disagree with me? Um, well, the honest truth, I completely disagree with you. I think that the, <laughs> the efficiency, the efficiency of Russell Wilson is going to win him MVP. Nobody has posted the numbers that he has registered in NFL history through the first 
uh, three weeks of the season. And I don't see a world where it really stops. The secondary is so banged up and so they don't have Jamal Adams. Talking about this being a close game. I see Miami keeping pace with Seattle and it coming down to the fourth quarter at the East coast trip first, you know, another big road trip for Seattle. They went to Atlanta in week one, Chris Carson's likely out with a uh, sprained knee for a couple of weeks. So it's Carlos Hyde. Uh, the offensive line lost Damian Lewis or one of their picks from LSU. There's a lot of missing parts to this team already in the season. They're, they have no room to let off the gas. They have no room to say, hey, Russell, we're going to try and run more and do things. And I thought that Seattle could have could have used the run more in, in the last game. You know, I hate to complain about the play calling. I think it's been phenomenal from Schottenheimer, but Josh Allen's going to throw picks. Every week we see him do something fucking stupid, running around with his head cut off, throwing through the back of the end zone, missing somebody wide open. He's going to he's going to throw picks. He's going to make bad decisions. He's, he's careless with the football. Russell Wilson doesn't do that. His one interception this season was deflected off of Greg Olson's fucking face. It, the completion percentage, the the, the timeliness of, of big time money throws and, and huge plays will win Russell MVP if he keeps this up guy like Josh Allen, it's a great start. It's a great story. I love Josh Allen for what he's done this season. It's been fun to root for him, especially with Buffalo. Uh, You're talking about a better team? Yes, absolutely. I think they have a much better defense than Seattle's dead last passing defense. But in an MVP race, Russell Wilson's going to have far fewer turnovers and risky plays and boneheaded mistakes that cost his team games than Josh Allen will have even winning his team games later on this season. This is a matchup that I have struggled with for DFS. I'm not going to go too in-depth on it. It's something that we can dive into on Saturday. A little worried about the blowout potential, and I think a lot of people are. But what people don't realize is what does it take for a game to get to a blowout is points, right? So, oh, I'm worried about Russell Wilson not throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. Well, if they're up by 31, most likely they did that by Russell Wilson airing it out three touchdowns to Tyler Lockett. You know what I mean? Like to to reach a blowout, you have to score points. So there's that. I'm a little worried about the blowout potential. Also, Seattle is number 31 in neutral situation pace. So they play incredibly slow. And I'm worried about that because of the nature of the first three games, Atlanta, New England, and Dallas, they have essentially been forced to pick it up a little bit and they're in these shootouts with those three teams. So I think the game could play a lot slower, especially if they're up and not having to play from behind. But then it falls back onto for smash score, Seattle's offense has the biggest mismatch in the entirety of the week four slate over the Miami defense. The biggest mismatch between offense and defense is Seattle versus Miami. So I'm going back and forth with this. And really the guy that I'm going back and forth with in cash, again, I'm not going to dive too deep into this, but it's DK Metcalf at 6,900 or Stefan Diggs at $100 cheaper at 7,000. Tyler Lockett is 7,500. I think I'm going to stay away from that essentially because at $600 cheaper, I would rather play DK Metcalf even in cash. I'm kind of weighing this option between, okay, who can I fit in my lineup? Stefan Diggs against the Raiders at 7,000. There's also blowout potential there or DK Metcalf at 69. So we're again, saving we'll this for Saturday. This Saturday <laughs> yeah. Don't give them too after, much. <laughs> after watching every snap of Seattle, especially last week against Dallas, um, which isn't that great of a secondary in a rookie corner on DK Metcalf. I think that any secondary that, that Seattle, or I'm sorry, any wide receiver core that Seattle's going up against, uh, it's, it's bad. It's the, the Seattle secondary and their pass rush is horrible. And this will be a close game. It, there's no doubt in my mind that this is going to be a close game. They're fucking terrible. They're so bad. And they don't have Jamal Adams, who's been their best player defensively this season. So um, tons of injuries for Seattle. Going to be a wild game down in Miami. Book it. And everybody calling a blowout. I don't even think Seattle will cover whatever they're, the line's at. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. is a bad of the week. Four catches for 59 yards on just six targets for the Browns and Baker. Uh, Harrison Bryant had a touchdown in the clip that kind of leaked today when Baker was mic'd up as he's kind of jogging between Jarvis Landry and Baker after the touchdown to him and says, I love you guys. It's coming. Like, it will get you guys involved. No, and how long have we been waiting for, for that to happen? So um, don't really see that happening this year. Odell last week, earlier in the week, said, yeah, I just don't think this is a, a year where I produce a whole lot. And, you know, what the hell does that mean? So 
again, it's this weird Odell Beckham Jr. slide that continues to go and seems to only pop up in big games in primetime like he did on the Thursday night game against Cincinnati with the touchdown and almost had two. But this is just only the running backs, only Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, really, that you're really targeting. What's the actual upside in Odell at this point? You know, it's not like Baker's going to throw for four touchdowns or even three touchdowns a game. You know, I, I don't see the appeal in Odell at this point. I, I, I totally think he's one of the best receivers in the league. I really do. Like he, from a talent perspective, he is that type of player. Um, what's even more concerning, Jarvis Landry. Like, he's a fantasy afterthought right now. He's literally disappeared and no longer provides you any value. Um, he's like Mark Ingram of wide receivers. He just kind of reached a point where he used to be really good and was a volume type of player, and now he's just kind of fallen off the face of the earth. So I'm out on a lot of the Cleveland Browns offense, except for the running backs. That's that's about it. It's Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. And in our last week's weekly matchup, um, that was something that I had mentioned, and, and that's going to be the same – Thing that I think we're going to mention week after week for this team. I think based off of pure talent alone, kind of like what you were talking about, I I just have a hard time sitting OBJ, especially looking at this week against Dallas, who is continuously getting cooked. And gosh, he's number 18 in targets. He's got 22 targets this year. The target share is there. He's receiving over 25% of the team's targets, 42.5, number five in the NFL in air yard share. So, like, the volume is sort of there. The targets are sort of there. I have a hard time, like, saying I'm out on OBJ. Mm. I don't know, especially especially. It's hard. No, it's hard. it is hard. But, like, this guy burned fantasy owners last year, and it's kind of happening in the same fashion this year. It's a little bit different, but this guy's not getting 12 targets a game. He's not getting 10 targets a game. You know, he's not, he's not getting that type of – those types of look. He's got one week out of three. I know it, it's a small sample of 10 targets, and he only had three receptions in that game. So the quality of the passes, along with the limited target, limited targets after week one, which was six and six, and he had four receptions in both of those games, it's there's just not a lot of upside. There just isn't. And I don't think it, even with the matchups, Baker, I'm not sold on Baker either. I just would rather go out and and take a gamble with somebody like Hollywood who hasn't been great but definitely has the upside of of busting one loose at this point and you would think Odell has that and he, he I guess he does but you're you're relying on a touchdown at this point for him to to give you any sort of viable fantasy week. Oddly enough it kind of reminds me of Seattle, you know, back uh Marshawn Lynch days where they just pounded the ball. They didn't care if they were up or down or whatever. And the, the plays would, would, that would come for the wide receivers were on play action. And we've seen Jarvis Landry's numbers way down. Obviously, we see Odell Beckham Jr.'s numbers down again. Random tight ends are getting involved in this offense. It's just there's not a lot of volume. There's not a lot of opportunity. And and when the opportunities have been there, it's either a bad throw by Baker or you know just out of the hands of Odell. Call it unlucky. Call it you know bad football, whatever you want to call it. It's just not happening. There's no production um, that you'd like to see from Odell Beckham Jr. and the superstar potential that we thought we were getting last year when he made the move to Cleveland. So um, with that, we moved to tight ends. Jimmy Graham, what a week for him. Six for 60 and two touchdowns. And the probable what-the-fuck performance of the week, I would say, where we're looking at the end zone in that game going, oh, it's Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson had a great week. Jimmy Graham sniping two touchdowns in this offense and and looking pretty good with his boy Nick Foles at quarterback. It was a gross week for tight ends. Um <laughs> a lot of the top tight ends didn't really like do a whole lot for you. The thing about Jimmy Graham is they seem to go to him in the end zone quite a bit. And so that's why I'm like I, I I'm I'm not really sure if he's a guy that you're gonna feel comfortable playing week in and week out. But it's definitely interesting. He was the tight end one uh, last week. Behind him was Croft and Ebron and Tanyan and Mo Ali Cox. Then there's Travis Kelsey, one of the big three. And then there's Zach Ertz. And, I, I mean, you're just not going to play a guy like Jimmy Graham. If you are, then you're way ballsier than I am. Um, but at the same time, 
does he hold any value? That's the question here. Does he hold any value on your seasonal roster? Could you get somebody in your league to buy on a trade with Jimmy Graham involved? Yes, you could. And if you could, I would highly recommend doing it. But I would not recommend anybody to seek out Jimmy Graham. The offense is just what the fuck. Like, what what's going on there? You know, it was only until now Allen Robinson popped off. And like I've been saying, it was going to take a Nick Foles substitution in for Mitchell Trubisky for Allen Robinson to pop off. Maybe it helped because they played Atlanta. That's probably a factor as well. But ultimately, Nick Foles is going to be better for any of the receiving options in this offense as a whole. So maybe Jimmy Graham's a good buy, but I am not going out to search for for Jimmy Graham. The odds of him fin- finishing as a tight end one uh, a week here and there are pretty slim to none, even though it just happened this last week. It'll be interesting to see kind of the chemistry going forward between Nick Foles and Jimmy Graham compared to what we saw with Mitch Trubisky and Jimmy Graham. I'm interested. Chicago, number seven so far. This kind of plays into Mitch Trubisky and trailing. Number seven in team pass plays per game at 40.7. And what's baked into that is Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. How old is Jimmy Graham now? He's 34 years old. Jimmy Graham, number seven out of qualified tight ends and routes run. He's run 97 routes. So Chicago's throwing the ball. He's not blocking. He's number seven in routes run, number eight in route participation. He can't block. No. So like he's like their number two potentially going forward. I'm not the biggest Anthony Miller guy. Uh, Tariq Cohen is now out in torn ACL. He's done. Like he's running the routes. He's number one out of – out of tight ends, number one in red zone targets. Like the the high value targets are going to Jimmy Graham. I got That's a question insane. for you. Uh Jimmy Graham or Chris Herndon? Rest of the season. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Graham is currently the tight end six through three weeks. Jimmy Jimmy Graham or Austin Hooper? Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham or Dalton Schultz. Mm, that one's closer. Jimmy so, Graham or Evan Ingram? Jimmy Graham. Oh God, you're gonna absolutely make me, fuck. I hate both of those guys, but yeah. So I mean that he's he's like borderline tight end one. He's, I mean, Logan, he's Logan Thomas or Jimmy Graham. He is a tight end one currently through three weeks. He's a tight end one. I know. I'm talking the rest of the season. I'm talking the rest of the season and what you see and things like that. What was the uh, last one? Logan Thomas. God damn it, Jimmy Graham. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're deciding between those guys, and a lot of those guys are already on rosters, Jimmy Graham is probably on waivers. Maybe not now after this week, but shit. If the volume's there, like Chase is saying, and he's running a ton of routes, and they're they're throwing the ball a lot, and they have a quarterback that's we think more competent, and they don't have a wide receiver too. If if you were to put all that data up blind and not say who it was and not say what team it was, probably against. A lot of guys, let's say like Hunter Henry, or let's say like well, the guys I'd listed, Tyler Higby and or not Tyler Higby, but Logan Thomas and, and Dalton Schultz. And you would pick Jimmy Graham's situation every time. Through three weeks, your top 10 tight ends are, and this is why you don't draft tight end early, except for Travis Kelsey, who's at number one, then Jonu Smith, then Noah Fant, then Tyler Higby, then Gasecki, then Jimmy Graham at six, Darren Waller, seven, Hawkinson, eight, Mo Alley Cox. At nine and Hunter Henry at ten. Those are your top ten tight ends through three weeks. And that's Jimmy Graham off one fucking week. I know. What is he, sixth? He actually, of course. No, he's actually had two decent weeks. He caught a touchdown in week one against Detroit. Three for 25, saved his day. But yes, last week really boosted him up there for sure. And then now they get the number one defense in the NFL for three weeks in Indianapolis. Let's All right, move. enough about Jimmy. Yeah, Graham and, and I'm done with Jimmy. A bad tight end and a tight end that just hasn't gotten it going. We've talked about this game uh, in two different segments between quarterback and Mahomes and the other side in Baltimore, and 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 now uh, are the running back and, and Mark Ingram. Now it's Mark Andrews. Three catches for 22 yards on eight targets. Dropped one in the end zone. Uh, just a bad night for Baltimore. I think that eventually this gets going, and he does get to where your uh, your draft value was for him as a, one of the big three tight ends now. 
certainly after the year last year, you you loved the potential for him to be the the wide receiver one. Honestly, like Hollywood's a deep threat. Andrews was the guy underneath and in the red zone and stuff. So um, I don't I don't think it's time to like fret or or make no. a huge decision about Mark Andrews. Just hold on to him, wait for it. Uh, things will turn around for sure, as, especially over the next two weeks. Like I said, with uh, Cincinnati and, and Philadelphia coming up on the schedule. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, I don't actually have much to say about Mark Andrews. Just feel confident playing him every week. You're going to be fine. He's still a great tight end. They don't have that many passing options. He's one of the top, if not the top option in the in the passing offense. So uh, just relax. It's going to be all right. Go buy him if you, if you can, if you need yeah. tight end, if you want to send something out, go buy yeah. Mark Andrews. He's essentially top five in every single opportunity metric for tight ends. Number four in air yards, three in air yard share. Two in average target distance, five in deep targets, two in red zone targets right behind Jimmy Graham, four in hog rate, got all these metrics there, and number four in unrealized air yards. It is coming for Mark Andrews. Just be patient. Don't sell him if you have him, and go buy him if you don't. Oof. All right. Those are the good and the bad performances of the week. We'll talk about a couple guys really quick before we get into injuries and then rapid fire, but Mike Davis. Mike Davis has 16 receptions and his usage in the past game is, is what you would expect. Maybe Christian McCaffrey light. And he's no Kamara with uh, the league leading in receptions. I don't know what that number is, but Mike Davis second in reception for running backs, fourth in receiving yards uh, target series at 25%. I mean, this is, this is like Christian McCaffrey esque and they just dropped him into this role. And it was a waiver wire pickup. I got laughed at for spending over half my budget on Mike Davis when everybody's losing running backs left and right and throwing him in lineups where he's dropping 20-something-plus points a week. So I think he's kind of the waiver-wire steal to get you through this time where you don't have Christian McCaffrey or you lost Raheem Mostert for a little bit. Those types of running backs that you know what you're going to get when they come back. For waiver-wire running backs, Mike Davis has been the best pickup in fantasy football this year, and it's because of what he does in the pass game. I would say yeah, McCaffrey's McCaffrey's not even that good, dude. It's just freaking Mike Davis. <laughs> I would say the second best waiver wire pickup, maybe third best running back waiver waiver wire pickup with you know James Robinson in the mix being the top ten back through three weeks. Um, Daryl Henderson is a guy I think is uh, primed to take over this offense as the primary back. He's the hot hand. McVay talked about in the offseason that they're going to go with the hot, hot hand. He's looked better than Cam Akers, uh, even though Cam Akers hasn't played that much. The dude just rushed for over 100 yards this last week. He's got a smash matchup against the Giants. Uh, Daryl Anderson's the guy to own in, in Los Angeles for the Rams, and and I doubt he's on the waivers anymore. He was, the, he was a waiver wire pickup last week. Mike Davis is definitely – a must pick up. I was a guy that laughed at Kevin. I was the one that gave him shit about Mike Davis because I was a non-believer. In a in a in an atmosphere where all these running backs are dropping like flies, yes, Mike Davis is worth the pickup. Go ahead and, and try to flex him because he is very active in the passing game, and, and that's what you're looking for for a safe floor from your running backs. So, listen to Kevin. L- hopefully, you listened to us a couple weeks ago when you James Robinson yeah, was. Now. <laughs> yeah, I know. James Robinson and Daryl Henderson, probably not available anymore. Mike Davis, probably not available now, uh, having this episode drop on um, on Thursday. But, you know, these are the guys you have to pay attention to and hunt out on the waiver wire. They can w- literally win you championships. Last little, like, half a lap, victory lap uh, that we called and, and predicted was Allen Robinson! Yes, sir. Ding dong, let him in, let him in. 13 targets, 10 catches, 123 yards, had a touchdown, almost had two in this game. It was an interception thrown by Foles, but Bryce, you called it. You said a quarterback change was coming. They needed to make the switch for Allen Robinson to be relevant. It happened. It it panned out great for him, and he dominated in this game against, I know it's Atlanta, but still, he needed a game like that to really get going. Absolutely. Um, It was perfect for both of these guys. Yeah, more than doubled his reception total through the first two weeks in just one game with 10 um, after only having eight through the first two games and, and yards as well, you know, had just over a hundred yards in the first two games combined, then goes for 123. This was the perfect time to buy Allen Robinson early. You know, I traded him for, for Juju Smith Schuster, which a lot of people went, I don't know, as a wide receiver one on a, on a much better offense, but we know what Allen Robinson can do with literally nothing under center 
and and just a sliver of hope right now with Nick Foles back there it has me really optimistic of what he can do rest of season. Some of the guys we lost this week. Were you really sick this week? What was the problem? I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You my broke back, back is broken. What a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard ankle going to be out a couple of weeks. That sucked because it was early in the day. We had him in a ton of DFS lineups to see him go down with just, I think, 1.2 fantasy points was brutal. Chris Godwin, first it was a concussion. Now it's the hamstring. He's going to be out for multiple weeks after another good week for him. When he plays, he's amazing. When he doesn't, yeah, you know, it's tough. Michael Pittman uh, underwent surgery to repair cartment leg syndrome in his calf. Uh, so super scary, painful thing for him. Uh, going to be out for I think they said at least five to six weeks. Chris Carson suffered that minor uh, knee injury on the sprain. Got the crocodile twist on that knee and, and only going to miss. Uh, looks like maybe a week, maybe not even. We'll see if he plays this week uh, at Miami, but uh, be cautious with that. And then Tariq Cohen tore his ACL. Looks like on a punt return. Um, so David Montgomery season even more, but uh, t- tough to see Tariq Cohen go down. Thankfully for him, he just got paid. Let's go rapid fire week four. Denver Broncos versus the New York Jets. <sighs> Start Melvin Gordon and Noah Fant. Baltimore at Washington. What a time to be alive. There isn't a single Baltimore running back I feel comfortable playing. Confidently look for Lamar, Mark Andrews, and Hollywood to bounce back. For the football team, give Terry McLaurin the green light and Logan Thomas two after Travis Kelsey killed Baltimore last week. Pittsburgh and Tennessee. For Tuesday night. Tuesday night football. Huh? COVID. When it comes to this game, make sure you've got your Sheffield alerts on and be certain this game's even going to be happening before starting anybody in your lineup. Go through your league. Make sure you got rules set up for all this weird shit that we knew that was going to happen. And here it is in week four. I've got Juju and James Washington. If you're desperate, he's likely still on waivers with Deontay Johnson out. Uh, he could go in your flex spot. James Conner for Pittsburgh and Derrick Henry, Johnny Smith for Tennessee versus the Steelers' third best defense in DVOA. The Los Angeles Chargers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For the Chargers, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler are most likely the ones to start here. However, be aware, Eckler may not follow up last week with another top five performance against a top three defense in Tampa Bay. On the other side of the football, the Bucs are kind of a weird offense to decipher, right? Without Godwin, I'm assuming Mike Evans gets targets with Scotty Miller involved as well. I'm not as worried about the Chargers defense being 100% effective against the pass without Chris Harris in this game. Avoid the running backs in Tampa. It's hard to tell who's the starting running back at this point. The MVP, Russell Wilson versus the GOAT, Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you want points, tune into this one as neither team could even stop Adam Gase if they tried. Russ, Lockett, and DK are set to spear the Finn secondary, while Fitzmagic is a great streaming option, and Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, and Preston Williams deserve starting spots while Seattle keeps getting fried. Minnesota versus Houston, and how did I draw both of the COVID games? What the fuck? Okay, so same thing about this one. Just keep an eye on the alerts of the COVID situation and both of these teams playing as the Vikings played Tennessee last week. Dalvin, Thielen, both solid options. Rookie Justin Jefferson, if you picked him up, probably a quality flex play, even though we talked a little shit about him earlier. Be careful of Kirk Cousins, though I do have him as a QB2 this week against the third best defense against the pass at Houston. For the Texans, I've got Watson and David Johnson with Will Fuller. If that hammy is nice and loose on Sunday, keep an eye on his injury report as well. Two mediocre defenses against the run could mean big days for Dalvin and DJ. New Orleans versus Detroit. You get points. You get points. Everybody gets points. Yes, this matchup is one of the handful of games this week that should provide plenty of fantasy action. Can the Lions shock the world and get to 500? We got to see the Lions take down a solid Arizona team along with the Las Vegas smackdown of the Saints a few weeks ago. So as far as I'm concerned, anything can happen here. For the Saints, play Breeze, Kamara, and Traquan Smith. If Michael Thomas is playing, get rid of Smith and shuffle in MT. 
for the Lions. Play Stafford, Kenny G, and TJ Hawkinson. That's it. The Browns versus the boys. Cleveland at Dallas. Baker hasn't scored more than 15 fantasy points yet, but this is the perfect spot. Fire up Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and OBJ. For the Cowboys, all systems go per usual in Dak, Zeke, Amari, Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb. It's the matchup we've all been waiting for. Jacksonville and Cincinnati. Doesn't get any better than this. We saw Gardner struggle versus Miami without his wide receiver one. DJ Shark last Thursday night. If Shark's a go, start Menchu confidently at QB2, as well as James Robinson. Since he looks juicy, Burrow and Boyd are both good to go, though I'm terrified of Joe Mixon's 9.1 fantasy points per game to start the season. I understand he's still probably a must start for most. Indy versus Chicago. The Bears finally made the right decision and benched the beloved little Mitchie Trubisky. The fact of the matter is he sucks, and he's always sucked. You know the picture of all the 3-0 and teams and the caption asks, which one is the imposter? Well, it's a matter of time before the Bears crumble and their first loss will come in week four to Indianapolis. For the Colts, play JT, Naeem Hines, and Mo Ali Cox. For the Bears, just play Allen Robinson. Kyler and the Cardinals travel to Carolina after a disappointing L to the Lions. Look for Kyler to bounce back. DeAndre Hopkins is a must start. And the Panthers give up the most fantasy points to running backs than any other team. Kenyon Drake week. Let's go. For the Panthers, I'm finding a different quarterback to play over Teddy B. Arizona sneakily has the number seven ranked defense. However, still green light on DJ Moore and running back Chris, excuse me, Mike Davis. <laughs> Giants at Rams. The Giants are battling the Jets for the number one pick in the next year's NFL draft. And I'll likely get a step closer after this week in L.A. Giants starters. It's no from me, dog. Rams include just about everyone. Goff, Bobby Trees, Cup, and Higby are all starters with Daryl Henderson getting the nod as well. Obviously, the Rams D is a great waiver wire find with Washington coming up next week on the schedule after the G, man. Buffalo versus Las Vegas. Josh Allen plays on as his quest for the MVP crown is ripe for the taking. It won't get any more difficult for him going up against the Raiders. The same Raider team that got exposed by the Patriots last week. And for that reason, playing everyone you can on the Bills would be the best route for success. Speaking of the Bills, you play Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, John Brown if he's playing, maybe a little Gabriel Davis if John Brown is out, and Devin Singletary as long as Zach Moss remains sidelined. For the Raiders, Jacobs and Waller, and that's about it. Patriots, Chiefs, and the number one smash score of the week. You ready? Play them all. Mahomes, Cam, Clyde, Edelman, Tyreek, McKeel, Kelsey, Watkins, and hell, even Nicole Hardman if you're desperate. Philly at Santa Clara, running out of time on the Carson Wentz train. Is this the week we get to see some Jalen Hurts? Start Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz with Dallas Goddard sideline, but don't expect a Sunday night miracle. The Niners are still the seventh best defense in both run and pass DVOA. For the Niners, George Kittle is set to return. He's a must start along with Jerick McKinnon. And I don't hate starting my boy, Nikki Mullins, who's coming off of 340 yards in New York if you have a deeper league and got to make a two quarterback start. Atlanta versus Green Bay, my fantasy matchup of the week. It's very simple and needs no explanation, so I'll make this short and sweet. For the Falcons, play Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, maybe, maybe, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst, and yes, Todd Gurley. For the Packers, play Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, if he's healthy. And I don't mind Alan Lazard against the pathetic excuse of a football team. Rapid fire. Week four in the books. Should be a really good week. Uh, not as juicy of matchups this week. You know, just going down the list last week, it was like, oh, my God, this is going to hit the over. 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 And I feel, I feel like they all got really close or did. Um, I think the snoozer of the week is is Philly San Fran on Sunday night. Yeah. Um, they just kind of suck. But the biggest but yeah. snoozer is our Thursday night game, unfortunately. Oh, woof. Yeah. I love this slate for dfs cash games i was yeah. talking about this with bryce earlier last week provided no opportunity for flexibility there was essentially we had deemed that russell wilson dak prescott and kyler murray were our three cash quarterbacks and those were the games that every single person targeted i ended up cashing in my big cash lineup i played kyler murray um and 
DK Metcalf, CD Lamb, kind of those guys. But everyone's lineup had the same guys in it. It was insane how close I was. I finished in fourth. And I was, I think, 1.5 or two points away from not cashing. Everyone had the same lineup. It was insane. And I'm super excited for this slate because there's so many different options that you can play. A lot more variants. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And Um, we'll talk about it on Saturday. We will. Saturday sweat. Don't want to miss that. Make a little money. Uh, It'll be just Bryce and Chase on that show. But it should be a really good week. Um, follow us at Teddy Talk for more of this and and really keep an eye, honestly, with, with the COVID situation and the Titans. Just stay alert. You know, the best way you can, you know, best people in your league. And if you do have priority waivers or waivers that open up and don't have a, a paywall after a certain day, if somebody's out and you need a quick plug and play, just be on top of your shit. Turn on your notifications and be ready to go. It's kind of the best advice I would have for that. It, that's how you can win your league sometimes. So um, just be educated. Be ready to go. Uh, should be a great week. That's it. Tutty Talk, NFL Week 4, Episode 29, boys. And we roll into October. Let's fucking go. Let's go.